Were you raised with a religious institution that taught you to not ask questions, not trust your intuition, follow along, do as you're told, otherwise bad things will happen to you? When you start to wake up from that programming and you open up your intuition, it can be challenging. Lots of fears can come up. Today's guest, Felicia Searcy, is here to support us in a conversation about making the shift from religion to spirituality and learning to trust your inner compass again. Join us to find out more. Before we start this episode, I, Carrie Hummingbird, and I, Akeem Sami, want you to know that you are invited. You're invited to, to join, join Soul Nectar Tribe. If you like what you hear on Soul Nectar Show, you will love being in person with us in Soul Nectar Tribe. We invite you to check it out. First 30 days is free. Right now, go to carryhummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com, forward slash membership, and sign up. We'll, we'll see you at our, our next tribe, tribe gathering. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably towards understanding ourselves in a deeper way and fulfilling our soul's curriculum, even if for most of that time that we're wandering around in the shadows doing exactly what our souls expect us to, we have no idea what that soul's curriculum might be until much later when we can look back in hindsight and see the whole master plan, which is always a fun thing to do. And sometimes we can get so crafty with it that we can actually start to, to read the, the playbook as we go along and say, oh yeah, that's that thing. I knew that was gonna be coming soon. So I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird. I decided years ago that I wanted to interface directly with God's source, creator, great spirit, whatever that is that we are all part of. And I wanted to go direct to it and I wanted to understand it. And I wanted to have a conversation with the divine and I wanted to lead my life as a unique thumbprint journey because I was really sort of sick and tired of people telling me I was doing it the wrong way. And I really wanted to do it whatever way I needed to do it. And I wanted that to be okay. And I made it okay. And I, I'm on the epic quest now, the journey to understand myself and this planet we're on. And, and I love to help others to do the same. So if you're interested in the community to do that kind of work, um, you can always look me up and have a little chat with me by booking a little session at carryhummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com. Now, today's guest is going to help us to really understand some cool things about the time we're in right now and how we can make that shift from religion to spirituality and learn to trust our inner compass. Felicia Searcy is with us. Welcome, Felicia. Hey, Carrie. Glad to be here. So glad you're here. So Felicia's purpose is her passion to empower you to discover and express your best self as you live the life you love. She's a three times award-winning transformational coach, international speaker, author, and minister 
who has helped thousands create a path for living their dream life. And for over 20 years, she has worked with people from all walks of life who are seeking the spiritual side of success. And she's a sought after speaker. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. I'm really grateful that you're letting me interview you. And I love that you also have lots of wisdom. You studied with uh, Sandra Yancey and Mary Morrissey and Les Brown. And so really beautiful people that you've spoken with and been on, held the stage with and, you know, you're holding your own. And I would say you're part of the first wave. You know, that's like sort of my, my speak in Carrie Hummingbird land since I published the second wave book, Transcending the Human Drama, and studied about this first wave, second wave, third wave, and what we're doing here in this transformation of human consciousness. And so that means that you're a person who's probably been bushwhacking it for quite a while. <laughs> really, really probably delighted to find your own inner compass, given everything yeah. that you were faced with in your own reality and collective reality. So welcome to the show. I would love for you, Felicia, to, to share with us some story, whatever story feels relevant to you, of your own awakening process that led you to step more fully into what you're doing for people today. Yeah. So first of all, I'm grateful that you're having me on the show. I feel really honored. I've always been aware spiritually, right? I just remember even as a young kid, being aware that there was something bigger and that I was in this conversation with this force and, you know, entered into a more traditional kind of training that when I say training, my religion of origin, that was not supportive and empowering, especially with women. And I got messages to not ask for too much or to, you know, that I couldn't go direct, right? That there was an intermediate and that it was actually sinful. I'll never forget. I was in a religion class. I was in third grade and, you know, the religion instructor was sitting at, it was at the front of the room and had two coins in his hand. One of them was a nickel and the other one was a quarter. And he said, the nickel, God is giving you the nickel and the devil is giving you the quarter. Which one are you going to go for? Now I'm eight right? And so I'm in the back and I'm raising my hand, hoping he'd call on me because I was hoping he'd you know, give you the coin. And he didn't call on me, called on Marianne Flood. because This was so just embedded. And she goes up to the front of the room and she goes straight for the nickel. Well, I wanted to curl up and hope that the earth literally swallowed me because I was going for the quarter, which meant I was going to hell, right? And I remember she, he literally patted her on top of the head and said, good girl. And it, it just, those kind of messages got so woven into me that there was a power and that, that this power was here for me to please in order to earn and hopefully gain approval and get something at some point, but it was, it was never going to be good enough. And I can remember that there, there reached a point where I was literally flying below the radar, hoping that this God would not notice me because there was nothing I was ever going to do that was going to be good enough. It's like I had this black spot on my soul and no matter how hard I scrubbed it, it wasn't going to go away. And I couldn't figure out what I did so horrendous that put this spot on my soul in the first place. And I really got into a state of despair. I felt so disconnected, so alone, so evicted. You know, I was like, I was evicted from the company of this power. And I remember where I got to a point where I wondered if I was even supposed to be alive. And thank God, literally and figuratively, the, the tradition I grew up in, suicide was a sin. And you would have been buried on the outside of the cemetery. And I, for whatever the reason, that kept me. I didn't want to be buried on the outside of the cemetery. 
So I was at this point in my life, and I mean, all of us have been there, right? Where we've had a religious upbringing that wasn't the empowering upbringing that would serve us from our best selves um, for us, right? It's all personal interpretation that I reached such a place of despair that I, and I knew I, I wasn't going to do something for me to take myself off the planet. I became open, right? And I remember, I remember exactly where I was, which like, you got to help me here because I know there's got to be something different. This can't be what you meant. And, you know, the old cliche, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And, you know, I've, I've shifted that around as well, is that when the teacher is ready, the student will appear, right? I literally stumbled upon a path where I discovered a whole new dimension. It's like I stepped into a technicolor world of what is it to truly be in deep relationship, a sense of community and companionship with this life force energy that wove us into existence. And I'm very grateful. I was very young. I was 22. I'm 61 now. So, you know, 39 years ago, I dedicated myself to deep study, to unlocking the secrets and the mysteries and the power and more than anything to deepen my relationship with this divine essence and my life, how I held myself, what I believed about life, my sense of worthiness, my ability to tap into something so profound, fundamentally transformed my life that I knew I had to dedicate my life to helping other people do this as well. And so in fact, you know, as a minister, I went to a area where religion was very deeply embedded and started, literally pioneered a new thought church where we taught these principles in an area where people felt really abandoned by religion, but they didn't want to abandon spirituality. And so we were able to provide an alternative for people to discover a path for them, not for everybody. And religion has worked for a lot of people, right? It just didn't work for me in the format that I was interpreting it. So I'm very grateful to have been able to and still provide that support for people to not have to throw it all out, but to find a path that truly enlivens them as they discover who they are and what they're connected to. Yeah, I like the way that you use the word enliven because I feel like people in some religious backgrounds and trainings are not encouraged to ask questions or investigate or be curious or run experiments or, and certainly not trust their own intuition, right? But there is this, like, when people start experimenting and they say, well, that's killing me to do that approach. Like, I actually just want to die, curl up in a ball and die doing it the way they're telling me to do it. And then they say, well, I'd rather live. And then they start opening up to their own intuition one of the first things or lessons that I learned along that path was how to tell if it was right for me is how does it feel? Does yeah. it open me or does it close me? Which one? Yeah. One of the things that I help people understand is that this life force energy is enlivening, right? It's expansive and it's constantly communicating to us and it's constantly inviting us into a more expanded version of ourselves, which then translates into a more expanded version of our life. And when we're talking about, which was a complete opposite from the lesson in third grade that said, don't ask for too much, right? It's like, oh my God, we live in an unlimited universe ask, ask away, right? Because the universe longs to expand and express through us. It's the highest form of our contribution. 
And it's the invitation for us to discover more of who we are created to be, right? It puts us on a growing edge. And so when we can learn to literally recognize the physiological response of contraction or expansion, because it all happens right here, right? That this is this is the intersection between the visible and the invisible world. And when we can tap in and notice, right? Notice what we're noticing. Do I feel expanded in the presence of that energy? It's like, okay, that that is love. That is life force energy inviting me to step into this next realm or iteration. Yes. And it's kind of funny to me how it's upside down world to believe the other way. It's actually the opposite. It's like saying that God wants you to be small and uh, quiet and don't enjoy your life. Like just be as small as you can be and don't ask questions and don't explore this great planet. That's the opposite of the truth. So who does it serve to have it that way? Well, it has served, it used to serve people that were in charge of states and republics, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of how they kept people in their place was to institute these ideas. But now that we've evolved, hopefully, past those kinds of needs for that kind of governmental control or religion control, we can maybe expand into another way of being in relationship with that which is bigger than us, God, source, creator, great spirit, the Holy Spirit, whatever, you know, whatever words people want to use to describe that which is bigger than us. Hopefully we can now be sovereign and realize the infinite potential we can co-create by being part of this larger dance that's happening. Yeah. And I think that there's a, there's a piece, you know, because one of the things that I noticed, and here's the thing that I, I really support people keep coming back to, people are given the best that they can at their level of awareness, right? That I know that that man at the front of that third grade, it was his best at his level of awareness. And that he believed with every fiber of his being that he was really giving us something that would save us, literally, so to speak. And so I really, for me, I had to really walk through the process of letting go and forgiving and realize that, yes, like there's a larger organization and to stay focused for me on where am I being led, right? What am I being asked? And one of the things that I noticed, especially when I was ministering at the church where I was in Tennessee, is that sometimes to walk away from religion, it's not just a church that you're walking away from or religion that you're walking away from or that you're exploring something else. But for many people, you're walking away from a culture. You're walking away from a family. You're walking away from a sense of belonging. Let me say that it is no lightweight thing to do that. And my sense is that your listeners, Carrie, have probably gone beyond that, most of them, you know, but there still may be some of that lingering, you know, look at what I had to give up or, and this is one that I'm sure that you encounter a lot. They're still hiding a piece of themselves. There's still a piece of that. They're protective that if you really knew what I believed, right. And if you really knew who I was, you may not want me around anymore. And there's that sense of just being exiled right? And so what I support, it's the deepening of understanding that number one, we're never alone. And I don't mean that fluffy, you know, that's not just a warm and fuzzy kind of new agey, oh, we're one with the one kind of thing. I mean, we are, right? But there's a 
there's a spiritual maturity that happens when you really come home to that and you anchor in that and you you realize that when you become aware of that to the degree that you're willing to be who you are and not that you have to broadcast it but you're not hiding it anymore either that you are actually contributing to the rising of the vibration of the planet you are actually doing a service and the other thing that happens and it's really quite remarkable because i watched it with people that i worked with i continue to watch it in the work that i do and i know that you see this is that the more you're able to come home into the reality of who you are and what you're connected to the more you're able to be present with people for who they are and how they're showing up and to love them for who they are and to embrace what they can give without asking for something that they just may not be able to give. I don't know where that came from. Oh, no, that was right on. I mean, there's a lot of people that are following me because I'm way out there. I was very fortunate to not have any programming. You know, my mom just intentionally gave me zero programs around it because of her own upbringing with my grandmother, who is Southern Baptist, and they went to church like five days a week. And my grandmother fully believed everything that they were saying, like, oh, women are serving men, and you should just be in the background and all this kind of stuff. Although my my grandmother was a very strong woman, so it was kind of the opposite at home. Like, she was actually the one running the show. And my granddad was just kind of, you know, very humorously puttering along next to her, you know? (laughs) But what I find interesting is, is the closet, you know, the closet spirituality and hoping that people don't find out or something like that. And, and I, I never had to really, I never, I guess I'm just um, outrageous enough that I just was like, well, I'm just going to share what I'm learning and I'm going to start this podcast and I'm going to interview people and I'm just going to have conversations and I'm going to be as out there as I feel like it. And I really don't care what anybody thinks about it because I don't need a job, like a specific job from somebody to hire me. So I'm not worried about corporate consequences. I'm an entrepreneur. I work for myself and I'm a manifester by design. So I get to just chart my own course. So I have a lot of things going for me that make me easy to just kind of get out there and have my brand and say what I feel like saying and interview people I feel like interviewing. And I know that that's not the case for everybody because I have clients who work for corporations and they've got to be careful what they post on social media and they've got to be careful what they say and they kind of have to hide things and I've had several clients come to me who had like Jehovah's Witness, you know, sort of upbringing and they got ostracized from their families for choices that they made as teenagers. And I thought, really, as teenager, as a teenager, you made this decision, which every teenager is susceptible to. And now you were outcast from your family and no one would speak to you. So I look at these things now as like as tests of sovereignty. It's like this is that person's test of standing in their sovereignty and being powerful in their knowing of the divine that is speaking to them every single moment inside their vessel and through their heart and through their body. So that can even be a test of the divine. So I don't think it's out of place or wrong to have these kinds of tests and challenges. I can definitely see it that way. I'm not, I'm not a big one in terms of tests. I think everything, and and I know that This is right in alignment with the work that you do, Carrie, that every single one of us comes with our own unique divine purpose, right? And that we're put in the exact environment in order for us to discover that purpose, overcome, right? Whatever it is that we have to overcome. So now we can, you know, it's it's the quintessential hero's journey, right? So when you think about being in a setting where 
you have to be mindful or careful out of fear of what people might think or say. It's an awareness. So the thing that happened for me, because when I became a minister, my religious background didn't have minister, women, clergy. They just, they were not. I couldn't even go back behind the altar as a kid, that it was only for the leader and and for boys. You know, you could be, I think they've changed this. Like you could be up on the altar. I think girls can now be, you know, quote, an altar girl. But um, I remember conversations with my dad. And when I was going through my ordination process, and it was a 12-year ordination process, it wasn't just getting a certificate online, but, you know, I became licensed and ordained in a new thought, universal thinking church and, and started a church. And my dad, oh, he got so angry, so angry at me, where the conversation was off limits. The conversation was off limits. And when I started my church in Tennessee, I used to get calls and get death threats because I was in a very small town in a very, very conservative area. And this was, this was not what was being traditionally taught. And what I, what I became aware of, so here's the test piece, right? But more of an opportunity for me to come home even more deeply into it in order to strengthen my capacity to be present for people who were struggling with the same thing and to help them see there is an alternative and you can do this in a way of love that you don't have to do it where you, that's it, I don't want anything else to do with these people kind of thing. But it's not like you're 100% sucked into it or you're completely out of it, but there's a third way. There's a transcended way. And as I look back over my whole journey, It's like, all right, every step along the way, I was building a muscle of how to stay present in the truth and then how to serve in a way to help others stay present in the truth in the face of a world that may or may not understand or agree. I almost didn't get hired for a job in Tennessee because somebody saw something that that I didn't believe in conventional religion or conventional Christianity. you know, it was illegal to even consider it, you know, because it was the public school system. But, you know, they told me later on that I had doubts as to, you know, what your value system was. And so it's the invitation to keep coming home to what's truth, knowing that the, the highest form of belonging is when you know where you really belong and who you really belong to or what you really belong to, because it's from that place that you're now able to take a stand for people to recognize who they are, no matter what, right? And so it's the building of the muscle that then causes us, you know, in the words of our mutual adored friend, Jennifer Huff, to build a bridge. We get to build the bridge where other people can now come across. And, And so you're right, it was bushwhacking. I mean, literally, you know, like breaking ground in a community where I had to describe who, you know, I had to explain to people who Wayne Dwyer was. Like everybody knows who Wayne Dwyer is, right? But to hold the space in love, to hold the space in love and to give people the opportunity to step in or just simply hold the vibration for that area and beyond. Yeah, and it's also understanding what I think helps with this is understanding the journey. So you have walked out of, that kind of thinking and found yourself in a more open space. 
And so you took the journey yourself, which makes you a great advocate for others who are now facing that journey and understanding things that we understand from this side of the the bridge. Like we understand about the nervous system. We understand about what happens when people's nervous systems are imbalanced. We understand what happens when people are operating from reptilian brain and, and limbic brain instead of the frontal cortex. We understand from an embodied standpoint too, because we've experienced what happened when we made decisions in reaction and, and out of fear or scarcity or lack versus when we made decisions from our frontal cortex and from that, you know, that divine access, that, that conduit of light that can, is available to every single person. So when you know the difference, when you've been on both sides of the bridge, you're, you're somebody that's able to speak the language because you've already walked that journey. You know how to talk to people who are in the middle of that journey. And that's why I believe that the second wave and the first wave has had so much diversity in our people. We've walked all walks of life because our voices matter. And that's what I want to encourage anybody who's listening, getting back to that point around being in the closet, is like, how do you know that your path that you're walking, when walked with total courage and trust, that your voice is not the thing that somebody else needs, another person or another dozen or another hundred or another thousand? You know, how do you know that your voice is not the one that they need to hear? Because when they hear you speak it, they get it. When I, they hear me or Felicia speak it, that doesn't land. But your journey like resonates for that person. That's it, Carrie, right? And just the very fact that you're on the journey is the evidence that you're on the journey to then serve with your experience, right? We don't live in a vacuum, right? So everything that we choose on some level, right? It's all a choice on some level, whether it's a conscious three-dimensional choice or our soul choice, we choose everything, right? And so understanding that as an expanded being, right? That we are, we are created to expand. It's, it's crazy how expansive and creative we are that that is our nature. Our nature is one of creation in order to expand creation, which is we're expanding the experience of spirit, of the universal intelligence. And so knowing that every experience that you're going through, and if you're listening to Carrie, I know this about you, that you have this amazing heart and that you're deeply heart-centered and purpose-driven, that every experience is here not only to grow you, but now for you then to be able to share. And so the very fact that you're going through it is the evidence that it is yours to share and somebody else can benefit from it, that they need to hear your voice. Otherwise, you wouldn't be going through it. Right. You wouldn't have called it. That's how do I want to put this? Yeah, you wouldn't have called it in. Right? You wouldn't have called it in. You, you there wouldn't have been some cosmic agreement with it. It it Go is. Ahead. It's that realization that every that's why I always mention synchronistic connections and things like that at the beginning of the show, because I've just realized that every single connection is actually part of the grand tapestry of my particular soul's journey in this lifetime. And so like the fact that when I was young, I saw that commercial with the Native American man crying because of all the pollution on the ground. That stuck with me. That touched my heart and it stuck with me. Why? Because I needed to keep that in my heart because I needed to advocate for sustainability on the earth and connection and native wisdom. And, you know, like there was so much in that powerful moment for me. I needed to see that. And why am I been always so obsessed with Martin Luther King? Because 
He's an expert. He was an expert and still is in the etheric realm, helping all of us be experts in exactly the thing you're talking about is being a bridge because his principles and how he organized people to have demonstrations was all about leading from love and not from needing the other person to show up any way different than they are, but just being the demonstration of love and action, even as the person being victimized, even as the people being victimized to stay in your heart and to stay in your truth and to show up with love no matter what. Like that's his, that's why I think he's such a great leader. And I always like, I've got him on my wall in my bedroom. (laughs) So I was like bow to Martin Luther King on the way in and out of my bedroom. This is, we have so much work to do. And I think that we're all in some aspect of this conversation on the planet at this time. And religion is definitely one of those conversations. Yeah. And and you can see in the the schisms that are happening within those, you know, religious communities and religious organizations that they're deep in the question, right? That when we look at, you know, like right now, I know, you know, people talk about how divided we are. And I know it may not look like we are, but we're divided because we're deep in the question, right? That you don't become so invested and passionate and just, you know, dogged about quote a particular point of view if you didn't feel challenged and you feel challenged because collectively we're in the question, right? And so we're, we're at this right time of true, you know, we're, we're at this pivotal point of another quantum leap in our evolution. You know, that when you look back through history and, you know, when there was chaos, there was this quantum leap in our evolution. And those of you that are possibly struggling with really coming out of the closet or revealing more or even owning it yourself, right? Even owning this new level of spirituality and awareness for yourself. I just want to acknowledge your courage and your vulnerability as a light warrior. And I'll never forget, I had a teacher once said, as a light warrior, why would you go where there's more light? You're going to be called to the darkness, right? In order to light up the darkness. And so many of us were being called into those conversations, not to convince. This is not about convincing or even trying to come up with the right words, but it's that intuitive knowing and simply taking a stand for what you know is true. And we don't necessarily have to broadcast. And I'm not saying to, you know, pull out your tarot cards if you're working in a uh, like a corporate suit kind of thing and go into the break room and, you know, start reading people's uh, tarot cards or whatever. We're talking about your guides, although you could, but it's, it's, it's standing in your truth in the midst of that and not being in a place of hiding it, right? But just owning, owning that about yourself, knowing that this is divine energy functioning through you, expressing through you. And there's a difference between owning it and not flashing it and hiding it, right? And so own it, it's that hiding energy, right? And so it's it's understand where it's coming from and who you really are. And then the world needs you to step into the embodiment of who you know deep down that you're being called to be. Yeah, you can be it. I remember I heard this story my teacher, Alberto Vialdo, from my school, the Four Winds Light Body School, he often shared this story about 
being called into board meetings, like big board meetings where there's like some merger or something happening, some big corporate thing happening. And people that knew who he was would invite him to come and just be in the room, you know, and, and he would, he would have his Mesa with him, but not with the whole bag and everything. He would put his Mesa inside a briefcase and he would just walk in like with a suit on and look like all the rest of them and just sit quietly. But meanwhile, his presence and his access to the divine is influencing everything that's happening in the room, especially when he's calling in sacred space and he's calling in the highest good of all people. And he's, he's looking at each person and seeing them in their highest, in their highest and best good as a divine being of choice. And he's seeing them all this way. The whole proceedings go very differently like that than they do if, you know, people are sort of in their egoic minds and there's no spirit in the space, you know, there's no spirit in the space. It's going to go pretty awry, which is kind of why, like, it's great people have religion in churches, but it's not just meant for Sundays. And this is a point I think gets lost on a lot of people I noticed throughout my life. Was it, is that it seemed like it was just something I go to do on Sundays to kind of absolve myself of whatever mistakes I made during the week and then just get on with it. And it's like, but you didn't change this week from last week. Like I didn't see your behavior change. Like you said all that, but then yeah. you didn't change it next week. So why is, how is that serving you? I was outside the system. So I was always that annoying person questioning everything, you know, from outside the system and not understanding because it doesn't compute because I haven't been given that training. So I was like, I don't know why you would do that. But I see that it's like, we actually, we're just served to bring it in every moment, which is why like when people call spirituality, like when they say it's mindfulness, it's like, that's a nice light word to use. I feel like spirituality is much more than mindfulness. But it is, that's a good, to me, I like that because that implies all the time. Mindfulness is an element to spirituality, right? And I, I think that people want to do different. They're really well intended, right? That they want to do different. I think oftentimes the instruction that may be given in a religious setting, not all religious settings, there are some amazing churches out there and amazing spiritual leaders in conventional settings that are doing some breathtaking work. And there's some basic teachings that make it difficult to apply it consistently, right? And I don't care what it is because I watch people come into spirituality, like the magic of it, so to speak, right? And and it's, oh, it's cool. You know, I can see auras. And, and so now it's like this enlightenment Olympics kind of thing. <laughs> nothing's changing. It could them, be the new distraction. Right? You know, it's just like a new level of distraction exactly. instead of enriching exactly. yourself through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to what you were speaking to early, it's fundamentally transform you at depth where you're showing up differently, mm-hmm. that you are literally interacting with your world in a way that profoundly impacts the people around you. So whether it's traditional religion or new age kind of things, people can dabble and misuse it and think that they're changing and doing good, but it requires, and, and again, Carrie, you know this, it requires a level of deep discipline in a constant self-reflection. It's a constant evaluating, not from a critical perspective, but from a um, evolutionary perspective. Am I showing up more in alignment with who conceptually I know myself to be? And is what I'm doing in the way of my being really making a difference in the lives of the people around me? 
that's a deep level of commitment and continued spiritual maturity that, you know, I don't have it all the time. No, I no, I'm human. I got my human. <laughs> we're we're yeah. all human and spirit, right? So we're in this like the in and I love it because we get this opportunity to be both at the same time, right? So we get this opportunity to be our human and to also be our divinity and to be both at the same time, our own little bridge inside of us between both realms. And we get to put arms around the whole thing. And I like that you're saying like, am I showing up in my life the way I would, my ideals, you know, how I want to be. And if the answer is, well, not quite yet, well, then you're just in the process of doing it. You're in the somewhere along the process and it's not a judgment. It's just like, oh, I'm in the process of learning. Like I'm in the process of learning how to be diplomatic and create peace. Yeah, it's an observation, right? That you, you know, one of the things that I help people understand is that, you know, you're a creative, expansive being that we are wired to dream. We are wired to have visions of beyond where we are. And we're continually being given a bigger, bolder vision because it is the way that life, the universal intelligence wakes us up to more of our magnificence, right? And so you have a vision and the vision then informs who you need to become. And then, so now you're gauging, right? So now it's, it's an evaluation. Did I show up today in a way that is congruent with what the universe is asking me to discover about myself in order to be a match for this next dream iteration. And so I have my clients go through a process when they get ready to fall into the arms of spirit at night. And part of it is, is there an area of my side of the street that I need to clean up? Is there something I need to release? Do I need to forgive? And is there somewhere where I need to ask forgiveness? And that is embedded in all spiritual traditions. And it's embedded in... um, many of the the churches that are functioning today. So I say that because there were teachings that are not congruent with what we know to be true. And, you know, one of the things I'm really grateful for is that I've been able to glean the amazingness of how I was raised in the tradition, because there were some really rich things that were given to me as a result. And in order to be fully present where I am, there's a forgiveness process and there's a claiming of the good that it wasn't all horrendous. You know, yeah, I we learned from it. The background, and we were given, we learned from it and we were given, I was given in my tradition. I learned how to have a high degree of reverence for contemplation <laughs> and quiet and prayer and meditation. They didn't call it that, but you know, that there were those moments of quiet and, you know, I come from a tradition of mystics and I really, I honor that. Yeah. That contemplation time is where we all need to be going in order to make better decisions for the planet and for ourselves. And this kind of like being on the rat wheel and running as fast as we can and just hoping it all works out. We've realized since the pandemic is not really serving us and that the planet actually needs a breather. You know, it was so amazing to see the planet come back to life after all of us stopped driving and flying and doing all the things we normally do. Like she kind of went, oh, thank goodness my children have taken a rest. You know, like I can rejuvenate myself. Yeah, and and to listen to that and trust that, you know, when we're talking about moving from religion to spirituality, realizing that there's so much of that 
present in, in some religions. There was a retreat center about two hours from us in Swanee. It was up on Mount Eagle. And they used to teach, um, oh, what was the name of it? It's a, um, you know, there was a priest that created it, but, it, uh, you know, a deep centering prayer. It's called centering prayer. And so it's really important for me in order to truly acknowledge all my spirituality and to be fully present in who I'm being asked to be, to acknowledge the real gifts that are coming out of some of the traditional religion and that there is a movement. There is a movement within the container of it for a deeper, richer relationship. It goes back to what we were talking about before, that people are in the question. They're in the question about how can we show up as a community that truly is inclusive, which is why there's there are religions that are splitting because they're they're in the question, right? And so we can look at it as division or look at it, people are engaged in this conversation. It's messy. It's really Well, it messy. is messy, yeah. My older son had just a tiny little dabbling with it, a fundamentalist version, and uh, found out that in that fundamentalist version, like I'm going straight to hell because I just like, you know, I'm in touch yeah. with the earth as my spirituality. And he sat with that for a little bit and he decided that was bogus. And he went ahead and finished his, his you know, his earth-based spirituality uh, training that he was doing. And he's like, okay, well, I said, well, that's interesting. You know, you needed that experience in order to know what doesn't feel right in your body is like turning your back yeah. on your mother or calling me all these names or because we had a moment of that, you know, acting from that space. And he's like, I don't know what came over me, mom. And I said, well, you were, you were opening yourself to something that wasn't true for you. And you got to experience what that feels like. And it doesn't feel good to hurt your family. It doesn't feel good to do that. That's not who you are. You're, I raised you to be a hard open person and you're connected to yourself. So you, good, congratulations. You passed a big test. Like you learned what's not true for me and what it feels like when I'm doing something that's not true. Yeah. And to stay, you know, for your listeners and for all of us to stay open to those signals, right? You know, where am I shutting my heart down? Where am I protecting myself? Where am I withdrawing? Where am I judging, right? That that's on either side. Where, Where am I judging? Where am I making something wrong? And the more we're able to come home into ourselves and know the reality of who we are is these breathtaking beings woven from the very uh, substance of love itself, right? The more we're truly able to stand for and with people, regardless of how they're showing up, not that we become the victims, but that it's, you know, as we've been talking, less hiding, not broadcasting, but, you know, the example of your teacher realizing just your presence changes the energy in the room. Your presence and how you're viewing everybody in the space and how you're yes. how you're holding it as the one connected to the divine, consciously connected. And we're all connected at all times. We just don't know it, right? So there's that That's whole conversation it. we could totally go off on. But yeah, being present to your connection and your presence in the now and being in the space makes a huge difference for everybody else in the space who, who has varying degrees of access to that awareness. So I know that you've um, done so much work and I wonder... If you have a dream activation code, which helps people accelerate results to live a richer, more fulfilling life, is there any place um, people can get started to just find out more about you? I'm not sure that you have a podcast. So what else is there that people could Yeah, so a couple places. Of course, my website, you know, FeliciaCircy.com, you know, because one of the things I help, you know, as I shared earlier, help people understand 
is that we are these expanded beings and that when you really pay attention to the conversation that love is having with you, it's in the form of your dream, that your dream is the universe's love letter to you, right? And that you learn to work with universal law. You know, you said you're, you know, a master manifester, learn to work with universal law in a way consistently that you grow into that person and your results, your world reorganizes accordingly to who you are and, and the energetic pattern that you're translating and communicating with this invisible field. So with all of that said, my website, FeliciaCircy.com, I think there's a gift on it. And then I have a Facebook group where I go in and I do a weekly training. I do an Ask Me Anything. I pop in spontaneously. I support people with their questions and their dreams. So you can go to um, the name of the Facebook group is Ultimate Life Now, Ultimate Life Now. And there's a couple of questions. Um, You get a gift when you join the Facebook group. And, you know, it's just an opportunity for me to wrap my arms around you and support you in discovering just how breathtakingly amazing you are and uh, support you in living from that awareness. Oh, it's beautiful, Felicia. Thank you so much for sharing all that. I'll definitely put links in the show notes to all of that goodness. And uh, now is the time in the show where I ask the audience, if you received benefit from this interview, please like, subscribe, follow, share this out um, on social media or with friends privately, whoever you think might be open to the messages or need the messages in this broadcast. Appreciate you doing that. It helps us reach more people who might be the next person to speak as a messenger, given enough time and, and effort on their personal growth. And Maybe that's you. Maybe this is your messenger time. You listener, you wonderful being of light that's been listening to this show. It could be you. It could be your time to start being a messenger and sharing messages. And so I welcome you to share it out and get courageous and see what happens. Notice what happens when you step through the fear into the love on the other side and notice the beneficial impact you get to make in the world. We're going to give kisses now. Are you ready, Felicia? Here come everybody's kisses. We love you, everybody. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Soul